Good afternoon. Good to be with you. Glad you're here. Glad you're watching. So, how are you today? Hope you're well. I'm doing well. Fun-filled and exciting times all around. So, today, what are we talking about today? We're talking about you saying where you're from, where you're watching from, or if you're watching with somebody who you're watching with. Husbands, grab your wives. Wives, grab your husbands. Might as well rope in a couple of the kids, too, maybe. And sit down, watch together, because it's good stuff. We're continuing with our talking about the Advent calendar and the different attributes of Jesus. So you can find all the different ways that Jesus is over the course of this Advent season. And that's one of the things we wanted to do, to encourage you knowing more about Jesus. And if you know more about Jesus, then you get the realization and the understanding of who Christ is in you. The hope of glory, right? Okay, so also, where are you watching from? Let me know where you're watching from. I always like to see where people are watching from. And the hashtag challenge accepted. You'll find that out at the end. And tag somebody who needs to hear this. Today, this way you know who you're tagging. Today we're going to be talking about uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he gave counsel or gave wisdom. So that's what we're going to be hitting today. So you're going to see where Jesus was counseling people and encouraging them, building them up through the Sermon on the Mount. So where we're going to be reading from today is Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 16. So Matthew 5, 2 through 16. And we're going to go ahead and jump in it and get started right away because there's a lot to unwrap. And I'm hoping to get it all done for you today. All right. So Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 2. Out of the Passion Translation, the Bible says, Jesus began to teach them. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For theirs is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right. For that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you, speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great. For you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Your lives are like salt among the people. But you, but if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them, and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so we got a whole lot there. 
Y'all ready? All right, let's get started. So, Jesus began to teach. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? Now, this is something I like because for some Christians, for some reason, Christians like to identify with poverty and lack, even though the Bible repeatedly considers poverty and lack as part of a curse. So it's like, what's Jesus talking about here then? Let's, I, I don't get it. Your, your spiritual poverty, okay? So you get the, the first half of it, right? Reread it. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? It's like, well, who is happy in poverty? Keep going. For there, theirs is the realm of heaven's kingdom. The people that would experience like spiritual poverty are people who are surrendered and completely rely, totally trust on God. You're, you're delighted, you're happy, you're excited because your your whole being is dependent on God. Okay? So it, it's not that you're in poverty lack. It's like, oh, woe is me. I'm sort of no, it, it's not like that. It's a person that completely relies and completely depends on God. Why? For theirs is the realm of heaven's kingdom. How about that? So when you're you're completely sold out, and 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 like every part of your existence is kingdom oriented, then you get kingdom results. So it's not like you're in poverty and lack and and everything like that. It's a person that is completely trusting on the Lord. Like some people are in poverty and lack, and they have to completely trust on the government, right? Okay, so they completely trust in the government, so what do they do? They kind of, well, it's like a, a hit or miss. It's a love-hate relationship. But we'll say that they, they love the government in a sense. They, they like the government because the government provides for them. So you as a believer in Jesus Christ, your dependency is fully on Him. Your dependency is not on government. It's not on other people. It's, it's not on anything. It's, it's always part of the Lord. E- even with, uh, with ministry and everything, people are a part of, of ministry. Okay, People give into ministry. They help out with their um, not only just their finances, but with their time and their bodies and everything like that. So they help out in ministry. But the dependency of the minister is not on the people. The dependency of the minister is on the Lord. And the Lord sends the people as the as they're needed to accomplish the work that the Lord wants to get done. And it's the people that are sent that are the ones that are, are sold out to the Lord. They completely rely and depend and trust on Him. Okay? So that's what it is. It's not poverty as in, oh, I don't have anything. It's poverty as in you're completely sold out and God meets everything that you need, both physically, spiritually, mentally, every part of it. It's not lack. That's what it is. Otherwise, Psalm 23 is completely wrong. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or be in lack. So, if, it, if you find it in one part of the Bible and it doesn't jive with the rest of the Bible, it's probably not what you're thinking. Just putting that out there. The Bible, you can use the Bible to interpret the Bible. So, if you find something and it doesn't seem to line up with other parts of the Bible, you may want to look and see if your understanding's wrong. That's where it helps with other... Uh, like concordances and other things um, in the Bible that help you understand what was actually being said. Different translations come in uh, into play there. That's why I like using the, 
the Passion Translation because it's a little bit different translation than what you're used to hearing, and it, it kind of puts the perspective on of what was actually being said in the language back then. So, carrying on. All right, verse 4. What delight comes with you when you wait on upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. So there's a, a patience and, and a delight in, in waiting on the Lord. Let's see, what's a, what's a note here? The Greek is to mourn, to grieve. The Hebrew word for wait and mourn are almost identical. So there's a quick little little nugget there for you. So what delight comes to you when you wait on the Lord, for you will find what you long for. Be impatient, long-suffering, long waiting on the Lord. Okay? And when you wait on the Lord, and that doesn't mean that you're waiting and waiting and waiting and you're not doing anything. While you're waiting, keep busy, keep doing something. Abraham waited 25 years to get the promise fulfilled. But in the meantime, he was still going about life, building um, his, uh, what do you want to call it, legacy, I guess you could say, uh, obtaining land and helping his, building up his servants, everything like that. He still kept doing life. It wasn't like he just sat down like, oh, I'm going to wait till this happens. No, he carried on. He did get ahead of the Lord a little bit with uh, the birth of Ishmael, but... It's a whole nother lesson. All right. Five. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. Okay. So this is um, where it's talking about meekness. A lot of times you'll see the Bible taking meekness. And in meek, it's like you're not owning anything is yours. It's all the Lord's. And you can see how that ties in with the first, with one of the first verses we talked about. So Everything is the Lord's. See, when everything is the Lord's and you don't own and possess anything, one, nothing can ever be stolen from you because they're stealing from the Lord then. Okay? Now, obviously, you protect what's been given to you. You're a good steward of it. You don't just leave things out for people to steal. That's stupid. That's being a bad steward. So you make sure that you keep things secure. You don't just loan your car out to random people. Because it's the Lord's car, and you're being a good steward of it. You're taking care of it. You're doing everything. You don't make an opportunity for people to steal. Just like you wouldn't give an opportunity for people to break into your house. The Lord provided your house. It's the Lord's house. You're the steward of it. You're taking care of it, right? Okay. What was that? What was I on? Five. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. So that's being meek. Okay. What's the Aramaic word? Mekah. Mek. Mekik. Mekik. I'm butchering the Aramaic on that. It implies both good, gentle, and flexible. So it's somebody that, I like that, good, gentle, and flexible. You're, you're not a jerk of a person. Um, some people would think I'm probably a jerk. I'm not really. I'm actually a pretty nice guy. Nicest guy I know, anyway. No. That's <laughs> my wife looks at me okay so you're, you're somebody that's flexible it's not rigid it's not like it's my way or the highway you're somebody that's like okay I'm, I'm hearing other good ideas from other people and you can utilize you're somebody that's actually fluid one of the things that, that I've learned in life is to be fluid to be able to, to move with what comes along when things come in life and it seems like all the attacks are coming against you that you're able to move and be fluid just not staunch and rigid no it has to go this way no you're like okay we adapt we overcome we keep moving on see for me it's an always forward and a never back kind of thing 
constantly keep moving forward one way or another. But seek the Lord's face. Seek the Lord's wisdom in how you're moving. Because there's times where you might move and it might not be the Lord that's, that's moving and you're just moving. Been there and done that. Not a good place to be. All right, verse 6. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. Craving righteousness, craving the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is what the Bible says who you are. Craving that righteousness is sowing the seeds, right? Because so, you got to think there. Look, when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. When, you, when you're craving righteousness, so that's putting this, the seeds of righteousness inside of you. And what happens with seeds? They ultimately grow, they turn into, and fruit seeds turn into fruits, vegetables, vegetables, you know what I'm talking about. And it's, it shows you, you'll be surrounded by, with fruitfulness, okay? So how enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. So when you crave righteousness, that ultimately is what comes out of you. Any type of seeds that you plant inside of yourself, the goodness, the mercy, the love, the compassion, all those things, they all come into righteousness. And those are all attributes of Jesus that we've been discussing. And you, you get all that, you put all of that inside of you through the Bible, through time spent in prayer. All the, the parts and beings of God get on the inside of you. That's the righteousness of God. And so when you impart that, when you plant that in you, Ultimately, what's going to happen is that's going to bear some type of fruit in you also, and you're going to have the fruit of righteousness showing out of your life. It's not you being a self-righteous person like, oh, yeah, I am totally awesome and you're not. I'm holier than thou. Not that. No, it's you having so much of Jesus on the inside of you that that's all that can ever pour out of you. And it's not you looking down your nose at people. If anything, you're looking people in the eye to bring them up and help them up. You don't go down to where people are. You lift them up to where you're at. You reach down and pull them up to where you are. Amen? And that's what's seeking righteousness. And you'll be surrounded with fruitfulness. Why? Because every seed bears fruit. Types of seed that you put into the side of yourself are the types of seed you're going to come out. If you're uh, a person that's always complaining and whining and miserable and everything like that, those are the seeds that you're going to put on the inside of you, and that's ultimately what's going to come out of you. Anytime pressure comes on your life, what will show out of you is what's in you. Any pressure that comes on. So if you're one of those kind of miserable people, maybe you're secret, quiet, miserable, when the pressure comes, the misery will show. And you'll be hollering at everybody and making everybody around you miserable and dragging everybody down around you to the point to where nobody will want to be around you because you're a dramatic, miserable person. And they won't want to have anything to do with you. But if they, people can see when your life gets squeezed by the pressures of the world and, and attacks from the enemy, whatever it may be, when that squeezing happens and they still see the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus coming out of you, then that's going to, people are going to want that fruit. It makes good fruit to come pick instead of the bitter fruit of being miserable and cussing and fussing and fighting all day. Amen? So, that's for somebody. How satisfied are you when you demonstrate tender mercy? For tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. So be merciful. Forgive. Mercy and forgiveness. Those are all good things to have towards people. People are going to do you wrong your whole entire life because that's the nature of, of people. Not everybody's saved and holy and righteous and not everybody's Jesus. 
So you're going to come against people that just don't like you just because you're a Christian. You're going to have people that don't like you because you look weird. You probably don't look weird, but you might look weird to them. You're going to come people not liking you for any number of things you can think for people not to like you. Okay? So, but when you demonstrate tender mercy, it comes back to you. When you're merciful to forgive people, look, Jesus was merciful to forgive you, right? And so when you take that same thing, freely you've been given, freely give. So when you take that same mercy that's been imparted to you and you put it out onto other people, people, when you're putting mercy on somebody, they're not deserving of it. But you're still giving it anyway. It's not being a doormat and getting walked on or anything like that. That's not what I'm telling you. See, a lot of people will do that. Christians feel like, oh, everybody just needs to walk and put their footprints all over our face and it's okay. No, I'm not saying that. You can be merciful towards people and not let them walk on you. Okay? You can be bold and take a stand. Jesus was merciful to people, but he didn't let them walk on them. You know, I know that because the Bible says that he spoke as one having authority. People who have authority don't get stepped on and walked on. If Jesus is on the inside of you, you have that same authority. You don't get stepped on and walked on, but you can still be merciful towards people when people do you wrong. And sometimes people might do stuff against you and not even realize they're doing it, and it's just an accident, and you can still be merciful to that person. And a lot of times in those scenarios where somebody, here, just give a, a weird, just a dumb example. Somebody trips, and as they're tripping, their hands are flying, and they smack you in the face. The intention was not for them to smack you in the face. It still hurts, and it probably made you mad, because that would make me mad. I'm like, man, you just hit me in the face. But you know what? That's okay. I understand it was an accident. So you're, this is just a simple example. I love giving simple examples. So, and you go, you know what? It's, it's okay. I understand it was an accident. What did you do? You gave that person mercy. You didn't beat the living daylights out of them. So you showed them that mercy, and automatically when they get that mercy, they're like, I am so sorry, I didn't mean to hit you in the face. I know, it's okay, don't worry about it. Okay, so you, those, that's just a little area where you can extend mercy. Now, somebody comes up and intentionally blasts you one for, for no reason, you can, you can be merciful toward them still. Now you might be merciful toward them after you beat the daylights out of them because they attacked you, and you have the right to defend yourself. Okay? Because if they attacked you just out of the blue or they wanted to steal something from you or whatever, you have the right to defend yourself. Okay? Turning the other cheek is part of the persecution part. And there was actually a, a thing in there where when you turn the other cheek, it was showing a sign of respect. But that's a whole other story. So, but you can still be merciful to people because you're not going to beat them to death. Right? Defending yourself, it stops when you, the threat is no longer there. So, yeah, you probably didn't expect to hear that coming on here today. So, there, there's that. Because you can still be merciful to that person. All right? And what happens when you're merciful to people, when you're quick to forgive them? That same mercy is extended to you. It'll be extended to you from other people. And maybe you're the one that slips and smacks somebody. Okay? So, let me see. Verse 8. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. The Bible says that guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. 
So you guard your heart and do everything you can to keep your heart pure. All that does is helps you get closer and closer to the heart of the Lord. You know what? We have all of eternity to get to know the Lord more and more and more. And you might as well start now. Because it'll take all of eternity to try and get to know God. And you probably still never know the absolute fullness and the love of God. And that, that's pretty wild to think about. That's actually probably too big for our little brains to grab a hold of at the moment. But I, I love how it says that there, what bliss you experience when your heart is pure. You're not putting wickedness in there. You're, you're protecting what comes in through your eyes, what comes in through your ears. What's coming out of other people's mouth isn't what always meant for you to hear. That's where gossip and everything like that needs to be far away from your ears. If you're around somebody that's a gossip, I don't care if they're a pastor, a leader, or your boss, whoever it is, if they're gossiping, bow out of that one because that stuff's just poison and it'll mess you with your heart and it'll cause bad things to come out of your heart. That, that's just gossiping. You can apply that across the board to listen to the stupid music, um, watching bad movie. You think of it. And if you have to ask yourself this, well, how far can I go before it's like actually sin? You already got a heart issue there that needs to get worked out. The thing is, is like, how far can I keep that from me? Is <laughs> what should be the question. And I'll put it to you this way. It's hard to fall into the Grand Canyon from Pennsylvania, okay? It's, it's, it's very difficult to fall in there. Stay away from the edge of the Grand Canyon, and you won't fall into the Grand Canyon, right? So it's not a matter of, well, how much before I actually sin? Just stay away from it altogether. If you have to question that, then the thing's probably not good for you to be indulging in anyway. So just steer away from it altogether. Don't have any parts of it. That's one of the things that you can help keep your heart pure. What comes in through your ears and through your eyes, those are the gates you, you want to have protected. And then yeah, I guess you could even do touch too, but ears and eyes. Amen? Those are the gates that lead down to your heart. For then your eyes will be open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace, verse 9. Then you will be recognized as a true child of God. That's a blessed are the peacemakers. So people who who like to bring about peace. Everybody knows like that one person that when people start getting in strife and arguing, they come up and they, and they can like calm things down. They, there's just something about them. They calm down. Sometimes they don't even have to say anything. They just walk in the room and the peace that's on them just affects everybody in the room. That's what actually can be flowing out of your life. If you're the opposite and you're the person that's always causing strife and misery, when you step into the room, the tension already starts to escalate. But when you're the person that's like the peacemaker and can calm things down, just you being there starts to calm things down. I can't tell you how many times I've, with policing, come into a situation where it's a little bit high strung, and then just being there, people start to calm down a little bit and everything like that. Not all the times. Sometimes you got to put a little heat on people to get their head straight and give them a, a little shock. Okay, I almost had to beat a man in his own house one time because he was drunk and completely acting a fool. And I was having to get through the alcohol to get into the guy's head to get him calmed down a little bit. So some things are a little different. But what was still there? The peacemaker part. And ultimately it ended up being peaceful and the guy calmed down and that everybody was happy-go-lucky. Somebody still went to jail, but nonetheless, the situation got calmed down. How joyful you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. 
what happens in that situation is when people see how you react to the situations like that, where there's strife and uh, maybe even somebody's having some strife against you and you're still keeping your calm, keeping cool, collected, and everything starts to calm down, people will see that, that righteousness, that fruit that's coming out. You remember from the last verse about seeds? Okay, they see that righteousness coming off you, that good fruit, and it causes people to want that. They're like, I want what he has because he's peaceful or she's amazing. She's absolutely peaceful. I like to be around her. Why are you like that? What causes you to be that way? Well, let me tell you. There's this guy. His name is Jesus. Okay. Ten, how enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right. For that is when you experience the realm of Kevin, Ke, Kevin's kingdom. <laughs> Kevin's kingdom. Heaven's kingdom. Verse 11, I'm tying these together. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. When you stand for Jesus, when you speak for Jesus, it causes the devils to rise up in people. It causes hate and discontent in people's hearts, it, no matter how you present it. Now, there's some stupid people out there that don't present the gospel well. They put a lot of condemnation with it. And they get beat up and things like that. And they're like, oh, I'm being persecuted. No, you're not being persecuted. You're just stupid. So there's that part of it. But the people who are showing the love of God and, and just meeting people where they're at, you're still going to run into some type of persecution. Here's the reality of it. The devil hates all aspects of, of Jesus. Whether you're the one that's a jerk about how you give the gospel, which ain't right, or the person that's showing the love of God, guess what? You're hated equally. But some people, you'll bust through that hate and you'll be able to get to their heart. The other way, it, it's, it's not happening. <laughs> okay? But at least some people got the boldness to speak. Just need correction to make it work out and actually reap a better harvest. Anyhow, but here's the deal. Just the fact that you would say, I'm a Christian, and a lot of places in this world will get you killed. Maybe you're watching from somewhere where that is the case where your actual life is on the line. And I get that. I understand that. For some people, people are just going to be mean to you, you know. But it's in those times of, of persecution that you can actually rejoice because it shows that your standard for the Lord. It shows that you can still love. You can still do. People go all the way to their deaths because they love the Lord. And they, their life is not taken from them. It's laid down. Amen. So leap for joy, since your heavenly reward is great, for you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. So you're not the first one. You're not going to be the last one. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Be happy and rejoice because you're, you're doing what it is for the Lord. And you know what? He'll probably, not probably, He will bring you out of it. And here's the deal. You got nothing to lose anyway. Even if you do die, you're going to heaven. So... You have nothing but gain as a Christian. All right? Your lives are like salt among the people, but if you like salt become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and be thrown out. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your life from a distance. How you can hide in a city that stands on a hilltop. Okay? All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these two things together, and then we'll finish it up here. So, 
your, your, the salt in the Bible a lot of time is connected with wisdom. Salt and wisdom are, are going hand in hand. So how can other people gain wisdom from around you if you don't have all these other things? You can see everything that Jesus started with was building up to these last two points about being salt and light. So if you don't have these other things flowing in your life, it's not like these are just individual people and, oh, I have that attribute, but none of the other ones. No, it's, it's like a wholeness. It's like your Christian life should represent all of the things that Jesus was talking about there. So, but if your salt becomes bland, how can you get saltiness restored? Flavorless salt's good for nothing, thrown out and trampled by others. Like it, it's, it's not desired, it's not wanted. And, it, and it's trampled underfoot, that, that wisdom, that righteousness of God. What you have to pour out, if there, there's nothing about you that's tasty, then there's nothing about you that anybody's going to want, and you'll get kicked to the curb. See, your life is supposed to be something that causes people to, to like whet their appetite, to have an appetite for, for being a Christian. But we have so many Christians that are walking around, bland, tasteless, blank, miserable, loser, pathetic Christians that nobody wants any part of that. Like, oh, let me tell you about my Savior. It's like, no, get away from me. I don't want any part of your life. You're miserable and this, that, and the other. Uh, the people don't want anything to do that. You look nothing like Jesus. You are that salt that's to be thrown out. You carry nothing of the Lord with you. But on the other hand, if you have all the things that we've been previously talking about, and that's what's shining in your life, that's something that people are going to desire. You're a seasoning that people want to have. Your salt back then was used as a preservative too. You're something that preserves goodness. You're something that's worth having around. You're someone who's good to have around. You preserve holiness and righteousness. You make things taste better. Right? So that's what the saltiness is. And then here, the... the your lives light up the world. Let others see your life from a distance. How can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? Who would light a lamp and hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them and they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Your life is under observation. If you're a Christian... And you say you're a Christian, which you better be saying. Your life is already being watched and being looked at. Especially if you're upfront and bold about it, which you should be. Your light is going to be something that people are going to watch. People are watching how you react to bad situations. They watch how to react to good situations. They watch how you react to things that are wicked and sinful around you. They watch how you react with your chi your kids, your children, your chids. Okay, they people are watching every bit of your life, and they want to see what's shining in your life because wicked people are going to want to see you have a, a mental breakdown and freak out, and then they're going to be like, oh look at that Christian. They're going to look down your nose at you, and then it, it puts it in them that all Christians are, are losers like that. They're all judgmental jerks, and you shouldn't have anything to do with them. They don't need any help with that. There's plenty enough people doing that. So that's not a good light. But your light is one that, that you put out in the open. Because what happens with light? Light drives out darkness. It doesn't have to ask it to leave. It shows up and it leaves. Light shows up, darkness leaves. 
Light shows where there's, there's happiness, where there's joy. Where there's light is, is where people want to be. You think if you're in a dark room and then a little light pops up in the corner, you're going to want to go to that corner to see what that light's all about. Why? Because in when there's light, there's things to be seen. There's more. You're not hidden. You, there, you don't know what's going on around you in darkness. But where there's light, it drives out the darkness and it shows what's going on around you. And that's what people like. It's a comforting thing to have light. Your life should be a life that's lived where it, it brings comfort to people and people want to be around you. It's not something that needs to be hidden. Closet Christianity does nothing for anybody. It's a hidden light does nothing for anybody. It doesn't help people. It doesn't do anything. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I just don't tell anybody because I'm worried about offending people. Jesus offended people just by being Jesus. And if he's on the inside of you, people are going to get offended. Don't worry about offending people. It doesn't give you the, the free rough shot to go and purposely offend people, even though sometimes that might seem like it's kind of fun. But no, that's wrong. You don't have to purposely offend people. You being a Christian is going to be offensive to somebody no matter what. Let your light shine. There's no such thing as a frozen flame. Let it shine. What's that little song as a kid? It's all light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, baby. Let it shine. Amen. Why? Because what happens? Let your light shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. So the stuff that you do, the, the, the things that you operate in faith on, the good things that happen, what, you're not doing them be, to be boastful about it. You're doing them because the Lord wants you to do them. That shines even brighter and brighter on people. Because you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for the Lord. And it just shines all the light on the Lord. And they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. It causes people to come to Jesus. So, today, if you're not a Christian, then you got no light. I'm going to light you up here in a minute. Okay? You need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There has to be a time in your life where you look and say, Yes, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you're watching this now, somebody, somebody, I am blending words together like crazy today. Somebody obviously shared it with you. This is the time to get to know who Jesus is, to come to Him. Amen? Somebody who shared this with you loves you, and that's why they shared it. I Maybe I've said some things that offend you. It's not my intention. It is what it is. But Jesus loves you. Maybe you're, you're the Christian that walked away. You, you were following the Lord at one time, and you fell away, and you're not following Him anymore. I understand that. But I've never done that myself. Come back to him. Today is the day of salvation. He's waiting with arms wide open. It's not like he's pushing you away. No, you screwed up. Tough break. The Lord is what? Merciful, which is one of the things that we were talking about before, about you being merciful. Guess what? Be merciful to yourself. Come back to the Lord. He's waiting with arms wide open. God, he loves you and got an amazing plan for your life. Maybe you got an, a, a massive attack. A, a, a death of a family member, something, some big, huge thing came and blew up and seems like it just wrecked your life and you're not even sure if you're saved anymore. Today you can know for sure and run with Jesus. 
Say this with me. From your heart, with your mouth out loud. I have people speaking out. The, the Bible says that if you say Jesus is Lord, and you, Jesus is Lord from your heart, that's, that's what it is to be saved. The reason I, I take and lead you into a prayer like this is so you get it settled and set in your heart what's actually going on. So you say it with your heart and your mouth out loud. God likes to hear what you got to say. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, set me free. Jesus, I believe you died for me. Jesus, I believe that you rose again for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost and a hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am saved, I am born again, and I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen, amen, amen. Just like that, welcome to the family of God. And if you go back and you watch what you said in that prayer, you'll see how it lines up with some of the very things that we just got done talking about in this passage of Scripture. So welcome to the family of God. I'm glad you're here. Also, uh, tune in. Keep following us. Tune into these little things because these are designed to help you out. I, I love to see people get saved, but the other thing I love to do is see Christians enter into who they're created to be and be who they're created to be. You know why I love that? Because it actually makes my job easier. Because if I can get more and more Christians set out and walking out who they're supposed to be, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, doing the things that God wants you to do, then that reaches more and more people faster than it can with me just doing videos or doing outreaches or going into churches and everything like that. So you actually are making my job easier and you're spreading the gospel. Those are all good things for me. So keep tuning in. Come to the revelation and realize who you are in Christ. That's why we do these videos like this. Also, if you want to join us in your, your giving, by all means, please join us in your giving. We, uh, we're shortly going to be having books that uh, we'll be able to give. So you partner with us and you give, and we'll be able to send you a book. It's a good book. It's Dominion Over Sickness and Disease by Jonathan Shuttlesworth. It should pop up over here. And uh, we got permission to be able to give those books away. So uh, reach out to us and with your giving and everything. And I'll, I'll explain more as we go along and we get the books in hand, get them ordered, get them here. And I'll tell you more about that in the days to come. But it's something I'm excited for and what we got going on. Also, I forgot to tell you, if you got saved, reach out to us. Tell me you got saved. I'm going to send you one of these Bibles that we have here so that you can take it and get started walking in your journey. This is a, a New Testament, New Living Translation. It's not the new and old. I give you this because I want to whet your appetite for what the Bible has to say. And the whole Bible is a good thing. I'm Lately, all I've been doing is preaching New Testament, but I use a lot of the Old Testament. A lot of the scriptures that you hear me just spit out, a lot of those come from the Old Testament too. So the whole Bible is actually important. This is to whet your appetite and get you to see uh, what the Bible says about you and actually the promises and the blessing it is to serve God. So uh, if you just got saved, reach out, let us know, because I want to send you that. Get that put in your hand. Again, keep tuning in. All right, everybody. Well, praise the Lord. That's what I have for you. Your hashtag today 
challenge accepted is to pray. Ask the Lord. Go through. Reread this, okay? Go through and, and reread those things and ask the Lord to shine light on those areas in your heart, okay? And, and do that. And then as you're getting the shine on your heart, reach out and, and do it with other people. A lot of these things in here will also have uh, where you're going to do something for somebody else, all right? Maybe you'll be a peacemaker. All right, everybody. God bless you. Love you. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Jeremy Puckett from Fire Now Ministries. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Fire Now Ministries is an evangelistic outreach ministry, and we're based in Pennsylvania. We're constantly looking for ways to reach to the communities and spread the love of Christ. We just want to thank you for listening. Please take a moment and share this with others. Sharing helps. If you find yourself touched by this message, I want you to consider sowing a seed into this ground and join with us and help us in getting the gospel out. All the links are going to be in the description box, for, but for a simple way, PayPal me slash fire now. All gifts are tax deductible, 501c3, and I'll see you soon. Bye.